Jeep's training and education program is proud to release Introduction to Grain Operations. This new course is a multimedia version of what was known as Jeep's 500 with dynamic graphics, video examples, photographs, multidimensional illustrations, animations, and interactive exercises. This course is sure to prepare your team for the work you need them to do. This is a great industry primer at a great price. For a limited time, Jeep's members may purchase the course for just $195. Non-members still save and pay just $295. For more information, visit jeeps.com. Muito obrigado para escutando esse podcast de whole grain presentado pelo Processores de Grão, Sociedade de Processores de Grão. Coming up is an interview with a highly respected corn and soybean production global advisor. Big picture wise, we'll discuss global grain trade and the role Brazil plays in it. We'll dive deeper in how the Russia-Ukraine conflict has impacted a strengthened mutual relationship between Brazil and China. We'll examine corn and soybean production levels in Brazil, as well as the state of grain transportation in Brazil. How efficiently is grain moving to port terminals for the top grain producing countries in the world? And if that's not enough, we'll also consider what it means for all the vendors and suppliers in the grain industry. All that and more coming up next. Hey folks, welcome grain professionals to this episode of Whole Grain. My name is Jim Lenz, your host of the Whole Grain Show. I also serve as the Director of Global Training and Education at Jeeps, where the mission of the Grain Elevator and Processing Society is to champion, connect, and serve the global grain industry and our members. At Jeeps, we work to be the global community and thought leader for the grain industry, which feeds and fuels the world. Thanks for listening today and for joining the network of thousands of other grain handling and processing professionals across the globe taking strategic steps to grow professionally. The Whole Grain Show will give you the competitive advantage to win at work so you can make more of an impact. Did you know that Brazil is the leading producer and exporter of soybeans in the world? Brazil is also poised to become the leading exporter of corn in the next few months. Did you know that some states of Brazil have three seasons of corn in a single year? We'll be diving into the specifics of these seasons and their impact on Brazil's grain production. Transportation is another crucial aspect of the grain trade, and Brazil has some recent improvements in its transportation infrastructure. We'll also be discussing the percentage of grain transported by truck, rail, and barge as well as the utilization of rivers like the Amazon for barge transportation. We'll also be exploring the challenges and roadblocks that lie ahead, particularly when it comes to rail transportation. To provide detail to the state of grain production in Brazil, we brought in a very special guest for today's show, Dr. Michael Cordonier. Dr. Cordonier holds a Ph.D. in agronomy from Michigan State University and has been involved in South American crop production for more than 50 years. His experience in South America started in the early 1970s when he conducted agricultural research in central Brazil. He has been a keen observer of the development of the soybean industry in South America over the last four decades. Dr. Cordonier is fluent in Portuguese, the native language of Brazil, and travels regularly to Brazil, Argentina, and Paraguay to inspect the soybean and corn crops. He appears regularly on national TV and radio programs to discuss world agricultural issues, and he conducts numerous seminars dealing with agricultural production for regional and national audiences. 
He is now president of Soybean and Corn Advisor, Inc., a consulting firm that services many Fortune 500 companies in the agricultural trading community, specializing in fundamental analysis of soybean and corn production with special emphasis on South America. We have some exciting news for you. Cheeps is involved in VicTam LATAM, Cheeps' first South American event set for October 3rd through 5th in 2023 in Sao Paulo, Brazil. It will focus on animal feed, milling, and grain processing opportunities in Latin America. In the outro of the show, we'll share how you can attend and get involved with this special October 2023 event. But first, let's get the conversation started with Dr. Michael Cordonier. We have a very special guest with us today. We have Dr. Michael Codonier. Michael is the advisor for many of you out there. He's a source for global soybean and corn news. We're so excited to have him here. We're going to address today a focal area of Brazil and give a, a state of the industry right now in regards to soybean and corn production. Dr. Codonier, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Uh, always my pleasure. Now, sometimes we start the show with a bit of lighthearted spirit, and we ask our guests if they have a mantra or success quote that they live by. Do you have one that you'd be willing to share with our listeners? Well, my philosophy is you're never too old to learn new things. Oh, I love that. Lifelong learner indeed, and learning, growing, and supporting others. If they have not met you before, in person or virtually through your website, can you provide a brief background about what you're doing now and then some of your past work and projects? Sure. Well, uh, born and raised on a farm in Western Ohio, was in the Peace Corps back in the early 70s, uh, came in, in Brazil, of course, and came back and was a professor at the University of Georgia, worked for Cargill for a while, and now I have my own consulting firm called Soybean and Corn Advisor. And what I provide is fundamental analysis on the production side of the equation. And I provide that to clients worldwide, and I specialize in South America, Brazil and Argentina, but also the United States as well. So I don't advise on the markets or trading or anything like that, which gives me the freedom to just provide production analysis and let other people smarter than myself figure out what to do in the market. Great background. How long were you in the Peace Corps in Brazil? Well, it was two years mm-hmm. in the early 70s. And uh, I was positioned out in Mato Grosso, and my job, and yet there was a bunch of volunteers in the same state. And we helped to set up a series of research stations to see what would grow in Mato Grosso. When we were there, it was just a few cattle ranches, no grow crops at all. And everybody thought nothing would grow here because the soil is very acid, very low fertility. It's the Cerrado area of Brazil. And we did you know, research on corn and soybeans and sorghum and rice and cotton. And little did we know that soybeans would be the one that would take off. So now Mato Grosso is the largest soybean-producing state in the world. And to give you an idea, it produces about as many soybeans as Iowa, Illinois, and Indiana combined. It is a very big state. That state is the equivalent of the entire Midwest in size, and it's just getting bigger and bigger agriculturally all the time. It's the number one corn-producing, soybean-producing, cattle-producing, and cotton-producing state in Brazil. And like I said, production just keeps increasing all the time. Wow, what a great set of experiences that kind of uh, propelled you to, it seems like, what you're doing today. 
Exactly right. You know, I was a professor at the University of Georgia and got a call from a firm in Chicago and said, hey, would you like to go to Brazil and tell us what the soybean production will be? And I said, okay. And so worked out the details and I left my professorship and I've been doing this consulting ever since. Wow, that's uh, amazing. So it's transition in Brazil in terms of agriculture production. Obviously, leader and, and one of the leaders in so many different grains. And uh, you specialize in soybean and corn, so that's what our focus will be for today. Brazil is the leading exporter of soybeans in the world. They may soon be the leading export of corn in the world in the next few months. From your perspective, how are things currently looking right now for corn production in Brazil? Okay, right now... It's uh, the second crop of corn is in the field called the safrinha, which means the little harvest. It was planted a month or two ago, and it's doing pretty good. And, in fact, the weather has been quite good so far. Uh, It was planted a little bit late. Now, this corn is double-cropped after soybeans. And to give you an idea, in Mato Grosso, about 60% of the soybeans are followed by a double crop of corn. So they plant the soybeans in September, October, harvest in January and February, and then immediately plant a second crop of corn. And the earlier you plant the corn, the better, because you want to get ahead of the dry season, which starts in generally in May in central Brazil. And in southern Brazil, you want to get ahead of any potential frost. So you're going to plant as early as possible. Now, the second crop of corn in Brazil is icing on the cake for Brazilian farmers. They live and die by soybeans. So a second crop of corn is just, you know, something extra for them. And this year is doing pretty good. Now, if they can avoid a frost before about early July, it should be okay. And CONAB, the Brazilian equivalent of the USDA, just came out with their latest monthly crop report this morning. And they kept the corn production in Brazil about the same, 124 million tons. And if the crop turns out as good as we think, Brazil will surpass the United States a little bit in corn production for the first time. They're already bigger in soybeans, so it's, it's just, you know, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And like I tell everybody, before we all pass away from this earth, Brazil will be the largest commodity producer and exporter in the world, at least on the exporting side. They got the area, they got millions and millions and millions of hectares that can be brought into production. They got the weather, you can do two crops a year, so it's just, uh, they're just a very big agricultural country and getting bigger all the time. Thank you for your response. Brazil has a mutual relationship with China. Can you share with our listeners some of the recent developments concerning grain between China and Brazil? And also, can you speak on the subject in relation to the Russia-Ukraine conflict and how it has impacted the trade of grain between Brazil and China? Uh, yes. You know, as soon as the war broke out between Russia and Ukraine, China quickly was cut off from its corn supplies from Ukraine. They had like 15 million tons of corn on the books from Ukraine. It was their biggest corn supplier. When the war started, that was cut off. So China immediately went to Brazil and said, hey, can we get some corn? And they've been working on phytosanitary standards for a number of years, but didn't get very far. And Brazil just exported a trickle of corn to China. Well, A few months after the war started, they got down to business. They signed phytosanitary standards, allowing Brazilian corn to go to China. And last November, China gave the green light to many, many grain elevators in Brazil, saying you're authorized to export to China. And the first exports were like last December. 
And then this year, it's uh, gung-ho, so to speak. And how much they export to China remains to be seen. Uh, estimates are between 5 million tons and 15 million tons. Since this is the first year, uh, we have to kind of wait and see. It's also going to depend on how much China actually needs. So they got those phytosanitary standards you know, agreed upon very, very quickly because China knew they needed corn. And it rather go to Brazil than the United States with a tension between U.S. and China. So Brazil filled the void left by Ukraine. Yeah, so the geopolitical climate is ever-shifting, and so that has a big impact on uh, trade with grains, as you described it, and, and uh, that goes on in also other parts of the world and different relations. It's important to kind of keep an eye on things. I think also what might help listeners, if they are unfamiliar with Brazil's production, could you kind of describe in greater context the seasons for growing corn in Brazil? Listeners may be surprised to find out that there can be three seasons of corn in a given year, uh, yes. for example. Yes. Now, let's start off with soybeans because uh, three-quarters of the corn is produced as a double crop after soybeans. So you're allowed to start planting soybeans in Brazil in mid-September. Now, you're not allowed to plant sooner than that because they have a soybean-free period. The big disease, soybean rust, is the number one disease in Brazil. And they want to have all the soybeans, all the volunteer soybeans eliminated for at least a 90-day period during the dry season so the soybean rust spores cannot go from one season to the next. They don't have winter like we have. So their dry season, it's warm. It just doesn't rain. It's just dry. You can start planting soybeans in mid-September. Now, the trend recently has been early maturing soybeans, 90, 95-day maturities. So those early planted beans are ready to harvest. Sometimes, you know, between Christmas and New Year's, they start harvesting a few soybeans. But the bulk of the harvest is in January and early February. So right after that, they can plant their, called their second crop of corn, their safinia corn crop. That's the big one. It's like 75% of the total. And that safinia crop then goes on to mature and you start harvesting it maybe late May, early June. And the bulk of the harvest is about June and July. Now that's the big crop of corn in Brazil. The smaller crop is what they call the first season corn, and it's planted at the same time as soybeans. So in August and September, depending on the weather in Brazil, you can start planting corn. Now, the first crop of corn used to be the big one in Brazil, but as they develop the second crop, the first crop keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So the first crop is worth about 20, 23% of Brazil's total corn production. So you plant it in August, September, October, and you harvest in January, February. And most of that, if not all of it, is in southern Brazil, and it's mostly done by small family farmers who may be dairy producers or they're smaller guys. Now, the third crop of corn is only planted in northeastern Brazil, which is semi-arid. And up there, they plant just a little bit of corn, about 2% of all of Brazil's corn, and it's produced by small family farmers, maybe have a few dairy cows, maybe a few goats in this semi-arid region of northeastern Brazil. And they do that. They plant it in February and March, and they harvest, you know, six months, about four to six months later. But that's a very small crop. So what's been growing in recent years is a second crop of corn. And in Mato Grosso, about 60% of all the soybeans are double-cropped with a second crop of corn. And that percentage keeps going up all the time. So as they 
keep growing more and more soybeans in bigger acreage, it automatically gives them more corn acres. Because corn just tags along with soybeans. And the soybeans have been going up now in acreage, I think it's been 16 years in a row, they've increased their soybean acreage. So corn acreage just tags along with the soybeans. It's great detail in that. Thank you so much. I think uh, a lot was learned about Brazil and the production seasons. And, and so it, it's looking pretty good at the time of this recording. And we'll see what the next few months come out to be. You know, another thing I came across recently was in relation to soybeans and for growers allowing to be planting soybeans near the rainforest, there's a government action that exists in relation to soybeans and soybean production. Can you share some governmental regulations or actions that uh, surround soybean? Sure. In Brazil, there's a misconception about deforestation. The vast, vast majority of deforestation is by cattle ranchers who are increasing pasture for cattle production. Now, soybean and corn production is not causing deforestation. The deforestation is, you know, illegal mining and lumbering and that sort of thing, and no uh, cattle production in the area. Now, if you're a farmer, say, in the southern Amazon area, on your property, say you've got 1,000 hectares, uh, you have to register with the government, and if you still have some native vegetation left, the government regulates how much you're allowed to clear. And it depends on the type of vegetation. If you have just cerrado, uh, which is like low-twisted savanna trees, you're allowed to clear, you know, maybe 80%. But if you have, say, rainforest, you're only allowed to clear maybe 10 or 15%. So it depends on the type of vegetation you have. Now, the government is regulating this by satellites. So they can monitor each individual farmer ranch. And if you are clearing illegally, then they know that by the satellite photos, and you will be issued a fine. And it's a very hefty fine. So everybody tries to avoid it. Now, this is just a new program started by the government. Prior to this, you know, the grain companies of the world have joined together and they called soybean moratorium. So they are in the process of tracking all the soybeans they bring into their facilities. And they go all the way back to, to the farmer, individual farmers and maybe individual grain elevators. And they're trying to monitor if any of these soybeans were produced on land that was cleared illegally. If that is the case, they will not buy it. Now, they're trying to do the same thing with cattle. So the meat packers in the world are trying to trace back all the cattle production. That's a little bit harder to do because, you know, cow-calf operation may be different from a feedlot operation. So it's a little bit more difficult. But all the supply chain individuals are trying to identify where these crops were produced, who produced them, and if any was produced on illegally cleared land. And I think the soybean moratorium has been very successful. I would say maybe, maybe 1% of the soybeans are produced on illegally cleared land. So the farmers realize that if they do it illegally, it's very draconian. You're not be able to sell your product. So uh, everybody's trying to adhere to it. And the government now is trying to step it up with these new satellite programs in real time, quite frankly. So they can, you know, tell you in real time who's clearing what and where, and they're trying to tamp it down as much as they can. Wow, that's uh, fascinating. Very, very interesting. Thanks for sharing that with our listeners. 
Now, Brazil is currently the number one exporter of soybeans. You described kind of how things were looking for soybeans. You can certainly add some more detail, but also I would be very curious if you could describe that relationship, that soybean trade relationship between China and Brazil. There have been some advancements in terms of soybean meal, right? Uh, can you talk about that yeah. as well? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's a symbiotic relationship between the two countries. China needs Brazil's commodities, and Brazil needs China's business. And the vast majority of Brazil's soybean exports go to China. Brazil is number one source for soybeans in China. So it's a very good relationship between the two countries. And they just now have also agreed on phytosanitary standards for soybean meal from Brazil to go to China. Now, the Chinese have been wanting to buy whole soybeans because they want the processing industry and the value-added products in China. And that's understandable. But they do recognize the fact that they might need some soybean meal. And that came primarily because Argentina, which is the largest meal and oil exporter in the world, they had a terrible growing season, just terrible. A very, very bad production, the worst in modern history. So China was buying meal from Argentina and realized, whoops, we, we may not be able to get what we want from Argentina. So they agreed with uh, some phytosanitary standards for Brazil. And Brazil is now allowed to export soybean meal to China. Now, that's going to be a small part of their exports to China. The vast majority will remain whole soybeans uh, to China. Okay, that is a good set of statements that provide some clarity. Thank you so much. Now, I'd like to address the, the grain transportation system in Brazil. Brazil has some, well, they've seen some recent improvements, particularly regarding to the quality of the road systems and their ports, because I think trucking is a primary mode of transportation currently in Brazil. And you can add to that in, in some detail here, but listeners may be interested to know how grain is transported in general, all those different modes of transportation. Can you share some details on how grain is transported, what percent is by truck, rail, and barge, and how are they utilizing rivers for barge transportation as well? You know, like the Amazon River, for example. And how are the ports looking to meet demand? What are the challenges that lie ahead in terms of transportation, especially maybe when it comes to rail, because obviously that can be sometimes the most efficient way. Uh, right. Not always, um, but certainly one of those certainly beats roads. What are the roadblocks that they're experiencing? Okay, okay. currently in Brazil, about 60% of the grain is moved by truck, which is very expensive uh, because the main, the main production is out in the interior of the country and the ports are on the coast, of course. So to give you an idea, the distance from about central Mato Grosso to the ports in southeastern Brazil is about 2,000 kilometers. It would be the equivalent of about going from Minneapolis down to Orlando. That's about the distance. And it's mostly on two-lane highways which is not the best way of doing it. And all those highways are toll roads as well. So right now it's 60% by truck. They have been doing some more barging and rail. So the other 40% kind of split between the two. Now, what they really want to do is more rail. And currently there is one railroad that services southeastern Mato Grosso. That railroad just touches the southeast corner of the state. And now they just got permission to keep building that railroad further into the state. And that railroad ends up at the Port of Santos in the state of Sao Paulo, southeastern Brazil. So that's the one main railroad that hauls grain out of Mato Grosso. 
There's another railroad called the North-South Railroad that goes straight north and south through the center of the country. It does not touch Mato Grosso, but it does go through states like Goiás, which is a big grain-producing state in Sao Paulo. And that has been opened up now completely north and south. So that's another sort of an avenue. Now, what they want to do is build another, a bunch more railroads. And there's a lot of them in plans. The biggest plan is a railroad from northern Mato Grosso straight north to the Amazon. Now, the Amazon has become much more important for grain exports. And it's what's called the Northern Arc of Ports. There are ports on tributaries to the Amazon and the Amazon itself, and they've built brand new ports and increased existing ports to accommodate grain, corn and soybeans primarily. And if you go to sort of the northeastern part of Brazil, they have some new ports also on the northeastern coast that used to be, well, they still export iron ore, which is a very big export to China, and they've increased those ports to accommodate grain. Now, right now, about 20 to 22, 23 percent of the grain in Brazil moves north to the Amazon ports instead of south to the ports of Santos and Paranaguá in southeastern Brazil. And as they get more railroads built, they you know, have more movement by rail, but it's a very slow process. This railroad going from Mato Grosso to the Amazon, it's been on the books for many, many years. It's now held up in court. The environmental groups have a lawsuit against it. They say if you put this railroad in, then you're just going to have you know more grain production and more deforestation, which is not necessarily the case at all. And that railroad, in fact, would parallel probably the most famous highway in Brazil, Highway 163, sometimes called the Soybean Highway. Now, that highway goes from Mato Grosso up to the Amazon, and it also goes down to southern Brazil. And it's called the Soybean Highway for a reason, because almost all the grain trucks in Mato Grosso go down that highway. So it's very, very full of grain trucks you know, all the time. So they're trying to improve the roads and that sort of thing. That's a slow process. The railroad is a very slow process, very expensive. And you're building railroads through a rainforest and you know, dozens of bridges, and it's just a complicated endeavor. Now, they are doing some barging operation. In fact, the end of Highway 163 up near the Amazon it ends at a tributary to the Amazon, and there are numerous barging operations already in existence at that location, and they barge the soybeans and corn down the Amazon to the mouth of the Amazon, where they have some you know, bigger ports. Now, the ports on the Amazon can only handle what they call handy-sized vessels, 30,000, 40,000 tons. But once you get to the northeastern coast and the mouth of the Amazon, then you can handle you know, Panamex. No, 60,000 ton vessels. Now, the ports in Brazil, the two biggest are Santos and Paranaguá. The Santos in the state of Sao Paulo is the biggest port in Brazil, and it's the end of the railroad that comes out of Mato Grosso. So they get a lot of soybeans and corn you know, by rail from Mato Grosso to that port. The other one is Paranaguá in the state of Paraná. Now, especially in Paranaguá, they have greatly improved the efficiency of the port. That port can now handle you know, huge vessels, the biggest ever for grain, like 105, 110,000 tons. They've increased their docking and their draft area in the bay and at the port. And they say, listen, we got to compete with the ports up north. So we got to get more efficient down here in southeastern Brazil. So I think the ports are doing fine. I don't see any problems with the ports. They have record production this year for the corn. 
So the, all the ports in Brazil are going to have to work 24-7 for months ahead to keep up with this huge volume of corn and soybeans. And I think they'll be able to do it. Now, there's going to be probably some labor issues and all that sort of thing, but they're, they're never very big problems in Brazil. They always are short-lived. And I think the improvements at the port have been very well executed, and now they're positioned to handle these bigger volumes. So the highway system needs a lot of work. It's limited. And all the new systems are toll roads. And to give you an idea, from Mato Grosso to, say, the port of Paranaguá, just the toll is about a dollar a bushel for tolls. So if you add on the you know the freight cost and the toll cost, it could be, you know, during the peak of the season, it could cost you two, three, maybe four dollars a bushel transportation cost to get from central Monte Grosso to the ports. So they really, really need these railroads uh, to improve the efficiency and cut down on the cost. The biggest problem in Brazil is transportation cost. You know, uh, they can produce soybeans cheaper than we can in the United States. They do two crops a year, all that sort of thing. They have very good weather, but transportation is a killer. And they're trying the best they can to reduce that transportation cost in Brazil. Efficiencies, that's the, the key thing. Large producer of grain, but they're being hurt in the transportation system. So they have made improvements, but it seems like there's a long way to go in terms of driving that efficiency a whole nother level. The key there is the rail. It sounds like they're continuing to work on that. That's a great overall assessment. And in fact, uh, just to share with you, Dr. Cadonier, is the fact that I just spoke with Quorum Corporation. They do a lot of information gathering in terms of green transportation for the western prairies of Canada. And just to give the listeners some information about the global market, some of the leaders there of grain production for exports, what is the length of haul to port of export? Brazil, 100 to 1,250 miles with 580 miles for the average. And they truck 90% of that is trucked, however, you know, one of the more inefficient ways to, to haul grain. Argentina, it's 100 to 500 miles for the length of haul to the port of export. 90% of that is a mode of transportation. Australia, 50 to 150 miles. 50% of that is by truck. Rail is 50%. United States, uh, what is that? What's the length of haul to port of export? It's between 350 miles and 600 miles. 20% by truck, 40% by rail, and uh, the barge, 40%. So the nice thing about the United States is the fact that they have two sets of oceans and they have major rivers to help support that and a uh, big yeah. rail system. And then Western Canada, 100 to 1,150 miles, 95% of that is by rail, 5% is by truck. So again, that's length of haul to port of export. That's rather interesting. Yeah. You know, if you go to Argentina... You know, all the ports along uh, the Paraná River around the city of Rosario. And and literally, if you stand at the port, you can see the soybean fields. They're just right next door. Hmm. So Argentina has a tremendous advantage. They produce the corn and the soybeans right next door to the ports. So that's very convenient for them. Brazil, unfortunately, uh, is produced down the middle of the continent, and it takes uh, you know, a very long time to get to the port. You know, a truck from central Mato Grosso, Say to go to Paranagua and back, it's about a 10-day trip to get there and back. So very expensive. And wow. rail would uh, wow. greatly uh, reduce that cost. 
Yeah. Oh my. Okay. That's, that's a huge, that really kind of brings to life some of the numbers that you just shared there. That is quite. Yeah. You know, I've driven that many times myself and in the car, it would be take like three days to get one direction, three days back. And that's in a car and these big, heavy grain trucks go much slower. So they have a much uh, longer time to get that grain to port. Interesting. Interesting for sure. You know, Lots of grain production. Those who are listening to this, whether they're vendors and suppliers or they're in operations and facilities or other parts of that, you know, their purpose, their function, big picture is to feed and fuel the world. And we need to continue that production. Things change and evolve. So you're a great resource for supporting people. We'll get uh, back to how you can support others here before we end. But a couple of things. So a lot was discussed today. And so there are challenges and there are opportunities. What do you think, uh, in your mind, Brazil being one of the biggest producers of grain in the world, what does that mean for the vendors and suppliers of the industry? Where do you believe are the greatest needs for support? Well, you know, if you go to Brazil, virtually every agribusiness is there. You know, the the grain companies, the seed producers, the fertilizer people, the chemical companies, they all have operations in Brazil. In fact, a lot of the seed businesses are putting in research stations all around Brazil, and not so much in Argentina, but mostly in Brazil. And they realize that's where the expansion is going to be. The machinery companies, everybody else, they have huge farm shows in Brazil. And if you go up into the central part of the country, you know, Mato Grosso, it's huge, it's big, it's flat, so it's very attractive for very large machinery. And every company that does agricultural business in the United States is in Brazil. And they all realize that the potential in the future lies more in Brazil than it does in the United States. You know, we're basically planted full, and we can adjust acres more or less by taking not one crop, putting in another crop. But if you go to Brazil, you know, everything can keep going up. You know, just every you can grow more of everything because of the country and the way it's all done. Now, just to give you an idea, most of the expansion of soybeans comes from the conversion of pasture to row crops. And Embrapa, which is a Brazilian Agriculture Research Service, they've been doing research for a decade or longer, and they tell the farmers like this: If you're a rancher, what you can do is plow up some of that pasture and now put it in a row crop. You know, soybeans followed by corn, and then do that for a couple of years, put on lime, raise the pH, put on fertilizer, raise the fertility, and then you can put some of that back into pasture, but don't put the way it was before, because in before, that pasture may have been developed, no, 75 years ago, and it was never, you know, upkeeped and never improved since then. So put on a new species of grass, now you have better fertility. And you'll get, you know, much better production of cattle and you'll get, you know, row crops and cattle production from the same area. And you don't have to go out and buy a new spot or clear a new spot of land. And this is a win-win for everybody. That's what the government wants you to do. That's what the environmental groups want you to do. Produce more with what you got. Don't go out there and try to clear a new spot on the southern edge of the Amazon. We don't want you to do that. So do more with what you have. And that's what the big emphasis is in Brazil. And that's what's happening. So I would say maybe three quarters of all the new soybean acres 
that come online in Brazil every year is from pasture conversions. And they emphasize, take the degraded pastures. These are ones that are low fertility, maybe eroded, uh, very acid in nature. And take the worst pastures, put those in the row crops, and then you'll get row crops and a better pasture in the end. So it's kind of win-win for everybody. Oh, such a great episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is a real rich understanding of detail of growth in the grain industry in Brazil. What are opportunities and challenges and certainly incredible opportunities to come about here in the near future? And also, if anybody has any questions or if you want to you know, get an idea of a free weekly subscription to my reports, feel free to send me an email. It's very simple. It's soyandcorn.com, S-O-Y-C-O-R-N at comcast.net or soybeansandcorn.com on my website. Just send me an email. I'll be glad to answer any of your questions or send you a free trial subscription. Fantastic. That's something we'll put in the show notes, the description of the show. So listeners, if you did not get that, that'll be there. Also, his website, soybeansandcorn.com. Again, real quick, what are some uh, services that you offer? Well, what I provide is a, a weekly report detailing you know, production, both corn and soybeans, North America and South America. We're just wrapping up you know, South America now. We're transitioning to North America, so uh, we'll be out monitoring the U.S. crops and that sort of thing. So I provide the weekly report. It's kind of a long, detailed example of what's happening. And then also provide phone contact and anything that my clients would like to know about the production side of the equation. My client base is all around the world, so I try to keep everybody informed of what's happening in the Midwest during our summer and South America during their summer. All right. Um, now, I'm guessing that you speak the native language of Portuguese. Oh, yes. I'm fluent in Portuguese. My wife is a Brazilian. We've lived in Brazil for many years and go back and forth all the time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fluent in Portuguese and, and I can get by in Spanish, but Portuguese, no problem whatsoever. So with that, <laughs> Dr. Cadonier, could you please share with us this statement in Portuguese? Exploring Brazil's grain industry with Dr. Michael Codonier. Explorando a produção do grão do América do Sul com Dr. Michael Codonier. And one final statement, Dr. Michael Codonier, could you please state it's thanks for listening to this episode of Whole Grain, a podcast presented by Jeeps, the Grain Elevator and Processing Society. Muito obrigado para escutando esse podcast de Whole Grain, apresentado pelo Processores de Grão, Sociedade de Processores de Grão. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. No I would love, love to connect again. Uh, what a sure. tremendous resource you are to the, the world of grain. We thank you, our listeners, for making the Whole Grain Show part of your day. Dr. Michael Cordonier was a terrific guest. He provided such great insights. If you are finding value in whole grain, we ask a favor. Visit your favorite podcast app, leave us a comment, and why you like listening to the show. This small but important action enables this show to be found more easily by others. We already have a number of five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. Again, leave us a comment and a rating. We'd appreciate that. Now is a great time for a reminder that the first Victam Latam, co-located in the Grappas Latam, and the Grain Elevator and Processing Society will focus on animal feed, milling, and grain processing opportunities in Latin America, October 3rd through the 5th of 2023. They'll take place at the Expo Center Norte Red Pavillon in Sao Paulo, Brazil. 
To find out more and to register, visit the Jeeps.com webpage. Click on the meetings and events at the top of the page and you'll find Victam International. We'll also leave a link in the show notes as well. This whole grain show is a production of Jeeps, the Green Elevator and Processing Society. The Green Elevator and Processing Society is the largest organization dedicated to advancing the green handling and processing industry. Be sure to check out Jeeps.com. That's G-E-A-P-S.com. The Whole Grain Show is super easy to find. Besides being found on podcast apps, you can connect with the show on the Jeeps website through Jeeps.com forward slash Whole Grain. You can access the audio player, review the show notes, the links, and access the transcript. We already have listeners in 30 countries at this time of the recording since launching a number of months ago. If you and your organization want to sponsor an episode and be a featured guest in the Whole Grain Show, or if you are interested in us producing ads to support your product or service, we can help you with that. Please reach out to me, Jim Lenz, Director of Global Training and Education at Jeeps, the Grain Elevator and Processing Society. My email is james at jeeps.com, J-A-M-E-S at G-E-A-P-S dot com. Have yourself a great day and thanks for listening to Whole Grain.